Hello and welcome to today's to this live edition of the ACB Advocacy Update. Um, I am your host tonight, one of your hosts, um, Swatha Nandakumar, ACB's Advocacy and Outreach Specialist, and joined by Clark Rockfall, ACB's Director of Advocacy and Governmental Affairs. And this is night four of four, where we preview our legislative legislative imperatives for 2023 leadership conference um so tonight we have the communications video technology accessibility act and in in talking about technology and streaming um thank you all thank you for listening all um on the ACB community and on acb media so Clark, do you want to kick us off with the imperative? I will, but in one moment, because I also want to acknowledge our Spanish language interpretation for this imperative, as mm. well as our live cart captioning. And Swatha, before I get carried away on the CVTA, we have a bit of news to share about one of our imperatives and go for it swatha yes so today um afternoon the medical device non-visual accessibility act was reintroduced in in the house by the general representative kowski you want to tell more clark absolutely so we, we are very excited that one of our legislative imperatives has been introduced as a bill here in the 118th Congress. It has also been introduced as a bipartisan piece of legislation. Uh, There are at least two Republican co-sponsors on this bill. And unfortunately, I don't have the full list here in front of me, but we did share it over the leadership list as well as the announced list. And we'll make sure that folks have that information for the leadership conference. There are no bill numbers at this time, uh, but we expect to have those likely by next week so that as our affiliates are making their Hill meetings, and asking their members of Congress to co-sponsor the Medical Device Non-Visual Accessibility Act, it'll be easy to point to the bill number in the House of Representatives. Also, changes are asked from having it be introduced to having it now be supported by your member of Congress. So you urge them to... um, so please urge them to co-sponsor this bill and introduce now. That's right. Absolutely. We still need it introduced in the Senate, uh, but we, we're one step closer here in the House of Representatives. Now to provide an overview of the communications, video, and technology accessibility act. Uh, A lot of times you'll just hear us refer to it as the CVTA because it's a lot shorter, Um, (laughs) but also because this is a bill that would amend the 
21st Century Communications and Video Accessibility Act that ACB helped pass in 2010. And that legislation was called or referred to as the CVAA. So we've gone from CVAA to CVTA. Hope it's not confusing, and we hope that it's easy to remember. So the CVTA is a bill that was introduced uh, at the end of the 117th Congress by Senator Markey from Massachusetts and Representative Eshoo from California. This is a bill that seeks to amend and update the Communications and Video Accessibility Act that was passed in 2010. Uh, the, the bill from 2010, the CVAA, did an amazing job of laying an accessible technology uh, framework and groundwork. It's what brought us requirements for audio description from your top four local broadcasters and your top five cable networks. It's the, uh, the legislation that required accessible video user interfaces, um, created accessibility requirements for a two-way text and two-way audio, often referred to as advanced communication services. But a long time has passed since 2010, uh, more than a decade just in real calendar time. But in terms of technology evolution, we are worlds apart where we were in 2010. Um, we are, just thinking about this now, what, we are uh, 11 iPhone generations apart of where we were in 2010. You know, our our video and entertainment and media um, and communications habits are very different than they were back then. As a result, we need our laws and our regulations to evolve just like technology has evolved so that people who are blind and low vision uh, to make sure that we are not left behind and that we remain relevant, have the necessary communications tools and resources, and so we can still be active members of the conversation and active in our community. So the Communications Video and Technology Accessibility Act, the CVTA, the bill that we want reintroduced here in the 118th Congress, this would build upon what is already required for audio description. This will build upon what is already required for accessible video user interfaces. So what do I mean by that? Well, currently broadcasters are only required to audio describe 87 and a half hours of programming per quarter. Um, so roughly an hour of programming a day. Uh, last I checked, there is more than one hour in a day. There are 24. So according to the regulations, one twenty-fourth of our programming uh, is required to be accessible. And that's not good enough. We deserve more. This is no longer 
uh, a young or fledgling technology. Uh, much like the requirements for closed captioning have grown and evolved, we need the same to happen with audio description. So this legislation would require all video to be audio described, whether from a broadcaster, a cable network, or online streaming providers, your Netflix, Hulu's, HBO Max, all, all the pluses, whether they're Apple TV, Disney, um, Discovery, you name it. Exactly. Um, it would also require the user interface requirements to evolve and extend to the streaming and online environment. And we talked about accessibility requirements for text and audio communications. Well, here we are on a video conferencing platform. The rules haven't been finalized for video conferencing platforms, and yet that's what we've all been living by for the past two plus years throughout the pandemic. And not only is it used for the ACB community, but they're used for work and education and healthcare, and yes, communication and entertainment as well. And so we need to make sure that all platforms are accessible so that we have the same access as everyone else. And then the, the just two more items that I'll touch on before turning it back over to Swatha. There, there's a requirement for uh, the FCC currently has a program called the National Deaf-Blind Equipment Distribution Program. We want to make sure that this program is robust, that people who are deaf-blind are eligible, and that there is enough funding that they can receive the communications tools and technologies that they need to avoid uh, isolation so that they can be an active and engaged member of our community. And then finally, like we talked about last night with the Websites and Software Applications Accessibility Act, there's also uh, measures in the CVTA for the Federal Communications Commission to work with the U.S. Access Board to make sure that we are uh, assessing and reporting on new and emerging technologies and how that impacts uh, communications and video distribution. So we can ensure that we understand what's coming down uh, through technological in innovation and that we can address accessibility in those new and emerging technologies head on. So to you, Swatha. So what does this mean for advocacy efforts more broadly and why now, why this bill right now? So Clark um, touched on the fact that we only have roughly an hour a day of audio scratch content on our cable providers and televisions. And that, um, with those requirements in place, um, those are the maximum methods now that the FCC can require. So it has serious authority right as of now in what it can require of providers. And this bill, uh, not this bill, the last bill, CVAA, does not cover streamers or does not cover like online content that you find. Like 
on platforms like YouTube or um, Netflix again. So this bill would really touch on the, the how technology has changed and keep, keep pace with, with the innovations of today. Um, so this bill really empowers us to be able to have more content that we can watch and be able to access more content online and um, via video. And we've just been through a pandemic where, where, where video conferencing platforms like Zoom and Teams and Skype have, you know, they've been, they've become kind of universal, 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 and just they've been using it like, they're still being used today. Like we are on Zoom now. So I mean we we deserve ac we need access to these and we this it's, it's an issue of equity. So just like the the yesterday would um in, enhance access or provide access to the built into the digital environment, digital digital built environment, this bill would do the same just in the communication sphere. That you, Clark, you want to add anything? Thanks, Swatha. The only thing that I will add is that we need your help. We need your help getting this bill reintroduced. And that's why the Communications, Video, and Technology Accessibility Act is a legislative imperative again this year in the 118th Congress. Uh, so when meeting with your members of Congress, uh, be sure to tell them, uh, tell them you want them to support and co-sponsor the CVTA once it is introduced. Um, if you have a story about not being able to access uh, accessible video programming with audio description, share that with them. Heck. If you watched the Super Bowl and tried to flip over and get audio description and it was the Spanish language broadcast, um, that's not access, right? So let them know that not only do English speakers want to have English with audio description, um, but I'm sure the Spanish audience, Spanish people, people who speak Spanish who are low vision or blind would want Spanish language audio description as well. So this technology exists um, and we need to ensure that our community has access. Likewise, tell your members of Congress and any issues that you've had, that the problems that you've encountered with video conferencing services. Of course, not the ACB community. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> uh, but video conferencing services that you've used for school, for healthcare, for employment, uh, for, geez, uh, tuning in for civic engagements, uh, town halls, or your interactions with government. If there are inaccessible um, video services, share that information. Let them know that these requirements are necessary for the full equal participation and enjoyment of people who are blind and low vision. And Swatha, for those reasons, 
That's why we're encouraging everyone to support reintroduction of the CVTA. Yeah, absolutely. So, Clark, do you want any questions, or do you want the questions? Let's let's uh, ask our Zoom host to share how folks may be recognized for questions. All right. So you can. Uh, there is a question uh, and answer cha uh, chat box that you can type your question into you can also raise your hand here in zoom and um, we also are in clubhouse as well and we do have some raised hands here in zoom uh, karen you can go ahead with your question There I am. I should be unmuted now. Yes, we can hear you, Karen. Good. My question is uh, regarding the, um, and I'm going to use the shorter name for it because this is known under two names. Mm -hmm. um, what are the changes that you are looking for with the I Can Connect? Which yes. Another name for the equipment distribution program. Thank you, Karen. Yes, the, the National Deafblind Equipment Distribution Program, also known as I Can Connect. Uh, well, frankly, Karen, we're, we're looking to expand it. We want to increase the amount of funding that is available, and we want to uh, increase the number of people who are eligible for the I Can Connect program. So currently, uh, individuals are limited uh, based off of income to two times the poverty level. And in this leg legislation, we raise that to four times the poverty level. Okay, I thought that was already at 400%, but maybe I'm mistaken. I, I will double check the exact numbers for you, um, but the the goal here is to to make more people eligible. Um, and we did work with your your sassy counterpart Carl Richardson, um, as well as uh, folks who work on administering the I Can Connect program on those portions of the bill. Right. I mean. People like um, one of my committee members who works at the one of the agencies that does administer that, and and others, I presume. Yeah, well, Karen. Let me, as a co-chair of the of ACB's uh, Sight and Sound Impaired Committee, um, how important is the I Can Connect program for people who are deafblind? I would say pro probably very important. I think it's how some people have gotten equipment. So yeah, yeah. I think very important. Well, great, thank you. Thank you. 
Our next hand is area code 715, ending in 443. Hi, this is Jennifer Bone. Um, before I ask my question, I would like to expand on I Can Connect. It is a wonderful program. I have used it, and I have been um, blessed to be able to receive equipment. Now, for my question, um, I'm not very good at following audio descriptions because of hearing too many voices at one time due to my hearing impairment. But my question is for others who do use the um, audio description with videos and other programming. Do these people who are doing the audio description, do they go through training? Or are they just people that get pulled out of a hat just to do the job? Thank you. Oh, they do training. In fact, one of our um, consultants, Joel Snyder, run the training as part of the ADP program. So, yes, Swatha. So the ACB's audio description project. Uh, one of the programs that they offer is the Audio Description Institute, and one actually just concluded last week. And this is an opportunity for uh, folks to receive training in the art and science of audio description. So there are trained narrators, there are trained writers, and of course, it takes trained audio engineers to be able to mix the program audio along with the uh, description audio into an, an enjoyable experience. And there are some other other, other programs that, that do training as well. Yes, Clark? I, there, are, there are many uh, vendors out there that uh, that provide professional audio description services. Okay, uh, next is Sheila. Oh, hi, Representative. <laughs> um, okay, I have a couple quick questions, and I most people know that audio description is close to my heart. I love AD, absolutely, and as the chair of the subcommittee for the Performing Arts Museums and Parks Committee, um, I love audio description any way, shape, or form. But so, yes, the, the people are trained very well if it's with a company that knows how to get a good trained audio describer. Mm -hmm. um, that's the key. My, my two questions to you with this CBTA is, one, you were talking about video such as Teams and Zoom, et cetera. Um, I find Teams very difficult to use. In fact, I just cringe every time I get a team invite because it's not, to my experience, very accessible. And then my second question is regarding video chats with doctors. I tried to do that a couple of weeks ago, and it was a nightmare trying to get on their 
chat on their website. So mm -hmm. does this fall under this as well? So those are interesting questions. Um, so let's take your initial question about a service like Microsoft Teams. Mm -hmm. um, so in the currently um, in law, there's accessibility requirements for advanced communications services, and that's um, two-way text communications like email, instant message, direct message, text message, or a chat box. Um, there's two-way audio communications such as uh, wireless and landline and um, you know voice over internet protocol phone calls right and then from the cvaa there was a term interoperable video conferencing service and no one really knows what that means because of that word interoperable mm -hmm. so what we are seeking to do here in the cvta or i guess i should say and as a result the, there have not been regulations created for video conferencing services um, to enforce accessibility. So here in the CVTA, we're just calling them video conferencing services. We're getting rid of that word interoperable that's causing all the problems. <laughs> we're keeping the definition the same because no one argues that about what a video conferencing service is. It's just what's an interoperable one. So let's let's avoid that. Um, so a video conferencing service, that is a, a Zoom, a Teams, uh, Amazon Chime, Blue Jeans, um, Google Meet, uh, and any number of services out there. Um, services that we use for, you know, for fun and for gatherings, but we also use for work and education. So yes, video conferencing services would need the Federal Communications Commission would then have to uh, finally create regulations to make them accessible. Um, I guess what that does not avoid is if the service doesn't work well for everyone, you know, if it isn't very user friendly, but it's technically accessible, we you know we could still run into that problem and we could be just as flummoxed as everyone else right um but accessibility will be mandated for video conferencing services now your second question you were talking about a uh, video chat with a doctor's office right right so like a, a telemedicine video right. appointment exactly exactly that that is a video conferencing service whether it is uh dressed up with your university's name and logo or it has your doctor's office branding on it that is still a video conferencing service and we would argue that that must be made accessible um, just like the off-the-shelf or consumer-facing products like we're using here tonight. Right. And this also falls under the web access, 
as, as far as I'm concerned, because they work hand in hand. Because if you're on the computer trying to access your doctor with the video conferencing and you can't mm-hmm. do it, you know, they, they fall under the same thing. And my last comment, and thank you, Clark, my last comment is if sighted people can watch 24-7 TV, <laughs> we should be able to as well. <laughs> That's right. right. And, she, and she like, I, I really like that point you made that this goes really hand in glove with the websites mm-hmm. and software applications accessibility act. Yep. Because if you need, if you're doing a telemedicine appointment, you'll need to be able to log in. You'll need to be able to schedule an appointment. You'll need to be able to enter your information, um, check to make sure that you've received those accessible messages or Uh emails from Uh your doctor with your patient information and then have an an accessible conversation and two-way communication with your doctor so this bill gets a little bit more specific to the communications aspect um, more so than the web access bill but that's a, a necessary part to ensure that the overall experience is accessible for people with disabilities. Right. And thank you both. You guys have done a great job. So thank you. Thank you, Sheila. Thank you, Sheila. Okay, so uh, you have three other race hands here in Zoom. And uh, I don't know if we, uh, are there any in Clubhouse? There are not. So we'll move on to the next person. Joel. Hi, thanks. Thanks. Uh, uh, thanks uh, uh, to both of you, Clark and uh, Swatha. You're, you're doing great. Uh, I really appreciate you're doing these uh, series of uh, webinars. Um, Joel, do you know any trained audio describers? <laughs> <laughs> well, we have, uh, let's see, uh, 44 new newly minted ones from last week. <laughs> Um, and of course, there are many uh, out there that have been doing description, maybe not quite as long as I have, which is 42 years now, but uh, that just means I'm really old. Uh, but thank you for the plug of the, the Audio Description Institute, uh, Swatha and Clark. Um, it's been a great program. And uh, it, with this last one was our 21st. So uh, it's going uh, great guns. I, I wanted to ask a couple of quick questions. Clark, you you seem to indicate, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, that in the CBTA, we would, that if it's passed, as you've proposed it, it would automatically require all television to have audio description, or will it be more of a, uh, like it was for captioning 40 some years ago, a percentage increase each year? Um, I, I wasn't clear on that. Sure, Joel. And uh, um, as as I'm sure you're well aware from the the CVAA as well and uh, the evolution of captioning, um, you know, we're we're not going to flip a switch overnight, right? right. Um, but the the ultimate goal of the legislation is for everything on TV on cable. And you know, online 
videos as well as user generated video yeah. to be audio described. So uh, some of that will come from the implementing regulations from the FCC and notice and comment periods of uh, folks like you, Swatha, and me saying, we want this and we wanted it 10 years ago, and industry saying, whoa, 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 let's slow down. So much like we've seen with the expansion of uh, broadcast market areas, required to carry audio description, a phased-in approach over time. I think that that is the the logical way that it will happen. Sure. That makes sense. That makes sense. Does Would this apply? You're making me think of other things here. Would this apply to um, YouTube, Facebook, et cetera, with, where their, their video players are not mm-hmm. to date, are not even they don't even have a toggle switch for audio description, which is ridiculous because there are video players out there that do that. Uh, would this, would YouTube and Facebook be subject to these requirements? So that that's a, a two-part answer for you here. So for user-generated video platforms, uh, like the two that Joel mentioned are two of the most popular and famous, YouTube and Facebook. I, I mean, we could we could go on and name more, but I think folks get the idea. These platforms that uh, everyday users are able to upload videos to will be required to have authoring tools. So much like uh, social media platforms have the ability for users to add alt text for photos, they would need to have an authoring tool for users to add audio description or descriptions to their videos. So that's the first part. Excellent. The the second part of that answer is that, uh, let's say, you know, Grandma Snyder has a very famous and popular cookie recipe, and she posts videos of herself making cookies or... Uh, our ADP coordinator, Tabitha Kenlin, is has really got into knitting and loves posting videos of her knitting projects. Well, if those videos go viral and you're making over a million dollars in revenue, uh, you are now required to have audio description for your videos. It's no longer uh, an option by using the authoring tool, but you're not considered uh, just a regular user anymore. You're considered a programmer and you would be required to have audio description for your user generated content. Fantastic. That is great. Um, you're, you're, you're getting all the, the points there. Um, <laughs> the, the, uh, quickly, a couple of other questions. Is there anything in there that would mandate more than the one SAP channel. You mentioned getting Spanish when you'd love to have description during sports events. Mm-hmm. Sports events traditionally have Spanish translation. Can we mandate something that, I mean, when a digital platform, what, you can have up to 16 some audio channels. Mm-hmm. What, what have, is that part of this? That's another great question, Joel. Um, I don't want to get too far out ahead of my skis, but if I recall, I think we, I believe that we said audio description for every 
language that's offered. So if you're offering programming in English and Spanish, you would need to provide English and Spanish audio description. If you're if you're providing six languages, then you would need to have and not just description, but captioning as well, right? You need to have audio description available in all six of those languages and captioning available in all of those languages. So that's, really that, looking for parity. That that's great. That's great. I mean, uh, my uh, related to that is the notion of uh, even if with English audio description. I mean, I can, I can envision the day when people could choose a kind of audio description. You want traditional <laughs> audio description? Hit this button. You want something that's more subjective? Hit this button. You know that kind of thing. Do you want? Do you want more background information? Extended description? Hit this button. You know, maybe I'm dreaming, but uh, I am dreaming. But what? Yeah. <laughs> so that that would What's be kind that? of neat. R related to that, Clark, um, would it ever be possible to mandate that televisions have uh, external audio jacks so that a person who wants description, R Grandma Snyder, like you say, she she lost her vision, she wants description, but Joel with Grandma, yeah, I, I hear description all the time. I don't want to hear it during this show. <laughs> Grandma can plug in her earbud and she gets the description. Right now, Spectrum Access allows that that mm -hmm. because you download it to your phone. But Spectrum Access has you know, got a lot of stuff to catch up to. Um, could that be mandated? I, you know, so I guess what I'll say is that I don't think that we are, that we've had that conversation to date. Um, I think technology is evolving in heading in a direction where there can be the group audio experience right. and there can also be a personal or personalized audio experience. And this is through developments of, you know, uh, Bluetooth and near field uh, communication, like wireless technology where you can connect hearing aids or or earbuds and headphones wirelessly to right. a streaming box a smart tv or a cable set top box um i think that there are i guess uh just to, to pause i think that's something that the ADP and the broader ACB community would need to have a conversation about to develop um, an organizational position, because I think part of that conversation will be if if folks can have their own personalized audio description, then should audio description be available on the main audio played for everyone. Some folks would say, yeah, have the audio description loud and proud for everyone. Don't make me use a headset like I'm at the movie theater. Right. Right. Well, audio description will have to get <laughs> there'll be there'll have to be a lot more improvement and audio description will have to have a, just be done more sparingly for yeah. sighted people to accept it. But you know, in the meantime, even even forget Bluetooth, even just a, a jack that somebody could plug in their headset and get get the reg original audio or just get the audio description audio and hear the regular audio ambiently um, but it, have it all be synced that would be good enough for me but uh, that's something i'll i'll bring up with carl and the 
ADP and such. Um, and the only other question was, uh, <laughs> would the CBTA, could you, could you possibly put something in that requires stations to emit a tone at the beginning of each program if audio description is available? You know, so that people know some some stations actually will put up a, a visual graphic, which mm -hmm. is fine if you got a sighted person there with you uh, or something. But having a tone to indicate description would be good. Ah, I better, I better turn on the SAP. What do you what do you think? I I think that's a great point. Okay. <laughs> so I, uh, just thinking now, I, I'm not. I don't recall if we included that in. Um, in this legislation, I know this legislation, and I'm surprised you didn't bring up audio description quality, Joel. Oh, well, um, but I don't want to monopolize the whole thing. You're right. Yeah, you know, 5.1 sound. <laughs> exactly. We do. We do have um, reporting requirements in here to um, to to create requirements for audio and study audio description quality excellent now excellent. and and there's two aspects to that right you just mentioned one which is right. the audio engineering and ensuring the parity in terms of audio quality from the main um audio that's delivered as well as the the audio with right. description uh, but then there's the quality of the description itself which Absolutely. is something that's been uh, discussed and attempted to be addressed in the past. Well, I, I must say, when I was on the DAC, the Disability Advisory Committee of the FCC, I chaired a subcommittee that produced a paper about quality in audio description, and that's as far as it got. If it's in the CBTA, you know that paper and other documents could be revised and and uh, give folks a head start on how to how to gauge that basically. Um, and and yeah, the tone thing, uh, squeeze that in there somewhere, Clark, or uh, tell tell your buddy Senator Markey to put it in, and uh, that's that. There you go. I'll I'll just give <laughs> Uncle Ed a call right now. You're ready, yeah. Thanks, Thanks so, yeah. <laughs> Thanks so much, guys. <laughs> this has been great. Thank you, Joel, and, and thanks for all your work uh, sure. with the Audio Description Institute and the ADP. Okay, our next hand is Tim. <coughs> um, yes, uh, this is Tim. Am I, am I muted? <laughs> we, can, we can hear uh, you. Oh, okay. Well, I have been uh, having a fight with my cable company, trying to get uh, audio description on uh, regular regular TV, you know, regular cable TV. And um, I called them up and, you know, asked them about audio description. And they had no idea what I was talking about. And so they switched me over to the help desk or whatever. And I talked to them and still no idea what audio description was. So they told me that their boxes don't support it but uh, then i called my local public service commission <laughs> and complained and uh, the next thing i know i get a call from this uh, it expert with well i live in the third world state of west virginia and my cable company's optimum and 
they uh, this expert called me and he said we're going to send a technician out to see if we can get it turned on well technician come out and he had no idea what audio description. I had to everybody that I, that I deal with with this company I have to explain to them what audio description is and so the guy comes out and he said no I said our boxes don't support audio description and this guy so the genius engineer or whatever he is uh called me back and said uh, i'm not sure i understand what this thing is i'm going to have to research it a little bit more and call you back and so far i haven't heard anything from them i mean is it mandatory for cable companies to offer audio description or Tim, that is a, a great question. Um, the easy answer is yes, it's mandatory. But um, if you're if you have a small cable provider, uh, which is common in rural areas, and I believe it is if they have less than 50,000 customers, then they are not required to pass through audio description. Um, but if you want to email us at advocacy at acb.org, we and share your experience and share the name of your cable provider, we would be able to pass that along to the Disability Rights Office at the Federal Communications Commission, the FCC. Um, they're the ones that oversee these regulations and enforcement so that that would be a way where we could get you a more definitive answer to whether your specific cable provider is required to pass through audio description okay and what was that email again advocacy i can't even say it now Advocacy, advocacy at, ad, ad, sorry. go ahead. Go ahead. You go ahead. <laughs> advocacy at acb.org. ACB. Okay. Um, I tell you, I'm not very, I have Parkinson's and I don't, my fingers don't work real well. So I'm not a, a very good typist, but uh, I'll give you all, a, try to get you all an email. Sure. And if it's easier for you, Tim, you could give us a phone call as well. That probably would be easier. Okay. And you can call 202 uh, And if you ask for Swatha or Clark, we'd be happy to take down your, you know, your name, your contact information and be able to get you in contact with the folks at the Federal Communications Commission. Okay, thank you. See, and Swatha, this is one of the need, one of the reasons we need this legislation because for folks in rural areas like Tim in West Virginia, his over-the-air broadcasters may not be required to pass through audio description um, if they're not one of the top market areas 
and mm-hmm. his cable provider may not be required to pass through audio description, even though it exists, even though it's there, even yeah. though all broadcasters are required to be able to carry accessible emergency alerts, which uses the same technology as audio description. Yeah, there's clearly a gap we need to fill. Okay, we have one other hand, and that is area code 317. And again, 317. Hi, I'm Pat Toosling. I have two questions. I tried to take a complaint from my insurance company because being denied telehealth, I had to go to the ER. And what happens if the medic, what is the enforcement if the doctor's office requires that people use uh, video cameras? or technology that they do not have. And my second question is, my cable company recognizes only certain types of television sets that they will work with in terms of streaming. Will this legislation grandfather in so we can buy a TV set maybe next year and everybody will be able to use everybody's TV sets and the cable company will not say, well, we don't support this TV, you have to use Roku. Those are my questions. Interesting questions, Pat. So if I could take these one at a time. Um, This legislation would not. uh, So to to your question about whether the legislation would uh, mandate the type of technology that doctor's offices use or that they require from their patients. Um, no, this legislation would would not do that. Um, if your doctor's office is going to use video communications, this legislation requires that the video communications or video conferencing technology that they use is accessible for people with disabilities. Aside from this legislation, um, ACB did post to our website a Dear Provider letter that outlines the legal obligations that doctor's offices have to provide auxiliary aids and services and effective communications for people with disabilities. So if your doctor's office is requiring or requesting, I should say, you to use technology that you do not have or technology that is inaccessible to you, they are not providing effective communication. Um, and that's that's not covered by um, the CVAA or the CVTA. But that's getting to the Americans with Disabilities Act and the Rehabilitation Act. Um, so I'd encourage you to uh, to review the Dear Provider letter on the ACB website, and if helpful, share that with your medical provider. And then your second question, um, I guess your your second question, I'd I'd like some more information about um, about your cable company not supporting certain TVs. 
Uh, I've not I've not heard of that situation before. Well, they see the TV. I don't want to name names as being a potential competitor as the company that co-produced the TV wants to enter the cable market. So to stifle that entrance into the cable market, they simply will not work with that particular brand of TV, even though a lot of people um, you know, use them. When you say they will not work with that TV, um, what what do you mean? They require people use Roku. Okay, that is the the first time I've ever heard of a situation like that. Um, is the is the situation that your cable provider does your cable provider have a set top box? Oh, this or is, is it for a, streaming. That's why I'm it, not streaming because I don't, I don't, I don't want to uh, use Roku. I don't uh -huh. like it. Ah, okay. It's really inconvenient. Uh, I have to use their internet. Various reasons. I would like to see cable providers supporting the the best brands of TVs out there, not just trying to keep one company, which I'm not naming, out of the market. Gotcha. So if I understand you correctly. You're trying to stream video, but your your cable provider only streams video over Roku. They don't have a, a streaming application on other televisions. Is that correct? Well, they do if you could see. But so if you have any visual disability, you've got to use their Roku. Thank you. Gotcha. Okay. Um, I thank you for your patience as I as I tried to understand the the situation. And yes, this legislation would require that all video applications, regardless of the platform they are on, be accessible. Um, so the the video user interface would need to be accessible to people with disabilities. So thank you for that question. Hey, we have Joel is back. Hang on just one second, it's not. While she's doing that, I'll tell you that uh, Gabriel has checked in appreciating the Spanish interpreting again. I'm glad he enjoys it so much. Yeah. All right, Joel. <laughs> yes, yes, Spanish interpreting. Excellent. Uh, thank you for taking my question. Uh, one more question. Uh, are, is the CBTA going to get rid of this? Oh, only the top 40 markets, only the top 60 markets. You know, there are people who want audio description all over the country. Do we, can we get rid of that whole narrowing it down to markets thing? Yes. <laughs> Thank you, Clark. How's that answer for you, Joel? I like it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know, I mean, we just said, Joel. We just had that call from from Tim in West Virginia. Yeah, you know that there are plenty of folks who are blind and low vision around the country who live in rural and suburban parts of the country whose broadcasters are required. To have the capability of accessible emergency alerts 
but are not passing through audio description. Yep, makes no sense. Exactly. Yep, it, it should just be required everywhere in the United States of America. Yep. Here, here. <laughs> Thanks, guys. <laughs> of course. Thanks, Jill. And that does it for a raised hands and Zoom. And there's no one in Clubhouse. Swatha, would you like to recap the CVTA for our audience this evening? I will do my best. So what CVTA does, it, it um, extends the requirements for, requirements for audio description um, to streaming, and it doesn't just um, or send it to more programming that happens on cable, on streaming services, and on video. It'll also expand the deaf-blind equipment distribution program, distribution program, or the I, or the I can connect program, to make it so that more people who are deaf-blind or blind and low, or low vision and hard of hearing have it'll make it so that they have access to this equipment that they and they might need um it also extends requirements to video 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 conferencing services like like zoom and teams and all the other ones that like are out there um and what we're, what we're asking you we're asking you to do is this bill was introduced last year in the 870 Congress and you want to reintroduce reintroduced in the 18 Congress. So we want to, so we um urge you to share your stories, share what this bill means, what this bill means to you and what having access to information information and um other like just entertainment would, would mean to you um and we just we encourage congress to introduce it now it has the house and senate was here this congress session clark just like swatha said encourage your members of congress to support the cvta because people who are blind, low vision, and deafblind, we want access, equal access to communications tools. We want equal access to video programming and video communications, regardless of where we live and of what we are trying to do. We want, we want access in the classroom, with our employers and healthcare and for entertainment and media and just having fun. Gosh, darn it. So <laughs> tell them to support the CVTA and a big thank you to everyone joining us tonight in the ACB community on zoom, uh, in clubhouse on ACB media and for everyone listening to the Spanish language interpretation and enjoying the cart captioning. Yep. Thank you all. Thank you all. Support the CVTA and keep advocating. Right.